Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show, everyone. Hope you are having a great day. A special shout out to my close friend, Yoshiko, Yoshiko Dart. Oh my, Yoshiko, you are so much on my mind since I just came back from Japan. And everyone, it seems like every disability rights person that I met knows Yoshiko Dart. And uh, just talk about you every show because I want everyone to always remember Justin Dart. So, special shout out to you and to all of my friends in Japan. I cannot believe how you are following the show and how many emails I have received. Uh, It's wonderful. Also, Ireland, as I say on every show, I have no idea what's going on there, but thank you for this listening audience. Those listeners uh, really make a difference. They do. So let's keep it up around the world. And I have to thank my lead sponsor of this radio show, Highmark. Highmark. I always say Highmark sets the Highmark for other companies to follow. But they, their CEO, David Holmberg, their president, Deb Bryce, have just been phenomenal advocates for guess how long? Since 1995 when I started the company. So thank you for being our lead sponsor. And we have as another sponsor, AudioEye. And I so value my partnership with you and the great product that you have done. Well, today is going to be a great show. I know many of you have seen this all over social media because our guest today is very well known in the disability community and now the business community. And I have known her for a very long time. Um, She is just a wonderful person. She is the Senior Vice President and Head of Disability and Accessibility Strategy for Wells Fargo and Company. Welcome to the show, Kathy Martinez. Thank you, Joyce. Thanks for having me. It is my pleasure to have you. Um, as I just mentioned, you are very well known internationally as a disability rights leader and in your role as the Assistant Secretary of the Office of Disability Employment. Now you are in the private sector, and that is so exciting. But maybe you could start by sharing with our listeners how you first became a disability advocate. Well, that happened a long time ago. Um, You know, I was raised uh, in a family that believed that um, disability was a natural part of the human condition. And I grew up in a very large Latino family. There are six siblings. And the two middle siblings are blind. I have a blind sister, Peggy, who uh, definitely um, is well-known in in her area of of technology in the disability community. Um, And as kids, we were raised to be part of the family. We were raised to, you know, to contribute, to 
do chores. Our, our parents uh, both were very good at kind of explaining how to do things. We got we tried to get out of doing chores just like everybody else. Um, and so that gave us, I think, a very fortunate uh, foundation to expect to work and expect to participate and contribute to both our families, our communities, and our, our, our jobs. So uh, for me, you know, I, I, I grew up in the 70s and, and, uh, and went through kind of all kinds of transformations as a, a woman, as a Latina, um, if somebody happens to be part of the LGBT community. Um, and then finally, uh, by the grace of God, I found the disability community. And the thing I noticed was that uh, I, I moved to the Bay Area, and I just was so blessed to find a community that kind of, uh, I could uh, I say that I, where I can bring my whole self to work, or all, my whole self to the, to the community. Um, I worked for some of our luminaries, our founders of the community, Ed Roberts and Judy Human. I worked for the World Institute on Disability for many years. Um, <clears throat> I was very lucky to get introduced to international work, and I know you and I have a passion for that. Um, and learn how, you know, kind of help be part of the development of things like the ADA and the Convention on the Rights of People with Disabilities and working with uh, minority people with disabilities in this country. I spent quite a bit of time in Ethiopia and Namibia um, working with, with their governments uh, to, improve the, uh, uh, so to improve opportunities for people with disabilities. So, you know, I feel very blessed to have lots of different perspectives, um, and I, I'm very aware how, of how culture impacts um, people's views on disability. So um, I worked, as I said, at the World Institute on Disability. I, I led that organization for about seven years, and then I was tapped to serve as a secretary, uh, assistant secretary of labor um, uh, by President Obama. And I was lucky enough to do that for five and a half years. Then I decided, well, you know, here I am telling people with disabilities to, to take a shot at the private sector. And we worked, I worked with the private sector for many years, as you have, Joyce. Um, and I thought, you know, here I am telling my colleagues in the disability community to work in the private sector, and, and I'm still in the disability bubble. So I thought, why don't I take a shot at working in the private sector? And I did. I was very lucky to, uh, to be selected uh, for this, this senior vice president position at Wells Fargo Bank in 2015 when I left the government, and I'm still here three years later. And I know they love you at Wells Fargo, Kathy, and that is such a background. I did not know you worked uh, in Ethiopia. What was that like when it comes to disability? Well, um, you know, I had worked quite in, in quite a few countries in Africa by the time. I, I went to Ethiopia in 2005, and I worked on developing media campaigns um, with a colleague who traveled with me. Uh, we worked on, you know, uh, teaching the disability community there, how to do a press conference and work with the media. And we worked, um, you know, we, we did not go down to tell them what to do. We, 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 were, we were invited there by the International Labor Organization. And, you know, we wanted to share our experiences and the mistakes we've made and, you know, kind of um, let them design as much as possible 
you know, the best strategy for themselves. And we did not go there, there to tell them what to do, um, but we went there to share our experiences and, you know, provide as much help as we could, how to write grants, you know, how to do a press conference, um, how to work with the media, um, you know, get, develop relationships with different parts of the media. Um, and, you know, social media was just coming on board, so we, we tried to work a little bit with that. Um, it was a fascinating experience. Um, you know, uh, anytime you get out of your own bubble, I think, is, is a good thing. So for me, it, it was one of the best experiences of my life. Yeah. It's amazing what it does to you when you're overseas. It re- but I always say, you know, I'm living with epilepsy, and I always say a seizure is a seizure no matter where you are in the world. It's still a seizure. So, you know, we, we have to remember that we have uh, friends, brothers, sisters all around the world living with disabilities, and, you know, we can't forget about that. But now, as you said, here you are in the private sector at Wells Fargo and company. So, Wells Fargo, how large is it and where are you located? Well, I uh, am based in San Francisco, um, and Wells Fargo is a company that currently has, I want to say approximately 270,000 employees, some of whom are in the Philippines and India. Um, So it's a very large company, and... um, I've been working on putting an accessibility or or implementing an accessibility strategy for the last three years, along with many other passionate and committed colleagues. I want to be very clear that I am not a lone wolf in this effort. There are hundreds of people at Wells Fargo that are passionate about accessibility and providing accessible products and services to our customers, as well as an accessible experience to our team members. So this strategy is a, is, a, is a marathon, not a sprint. And I have to say I have wonderful support from the leadership, from my leadership, and, and as well as a lot of support from colleagues from the different lines of business and the, and the different functional areas throughout the bank to make this strategy a reality. Well, I know that one of the uh, USBLN board members, who I also had over a month or month and a half ago on the show, Regina Hayward, is very supportive of uh, everything that you're doing uh, and the employment of people with disabilities. Uh, And so I know she, too, is a big advocate of your work because she talked about that. Well, I'm lucky to have a colleague like Regina. Um, I also have colleagues similar with, with her similar passion and commitment um, in, in lots of other parts of the bank. Otherwise, we could never move the needle. It, it, it really cannot be about one person or one person's personality. Or, you know, it, it's really got to be, in order to change the culture of a company, it's, it's got to be, you know, a tenant that is understood by enough people so that you really get folks to identify as having a disability, so you get folks um, like me with evident disabilities to get hired so that, you know, so it's not such a novelty, um, and it becomes part of our DNA and standard operating procedures. Well, oh, that is so true, though, that uh, you not only need a team, but you need leadership from the top. 
And I just want to say to our listeners, if you want more information about that, as Kathy mentioned to you, uh, she worked for five years uh, in the, is that right? Did you say five, Kathy? Yes, five and a half years, close enough. Five and a half years in the uh, Obama administration as the assistant vice president of the office of, uh, sorry, still at work, assistant secretary of the office of disability employment policy. Uh, and she worked with corporations all across the United States, working with them, advising them. Um, so I just want to mention that she has a wealth of knowledge in this area. So, Kathy, here you are at Wells Fargo, Senior Vice President. First question is, was it hard to move from working in the federal government to corporate America? Uh, how was that for you? And what is your role at Wells Fargo? Well, to answer your first question, yes, it was It was a bit of a shock, um, only because in my role in the federal government, I had lots of support and I had people around me that understood uh, the concepts of accessibility. When I got to Wells Fargo, I had a lot of support, um, but the, the, the number of people who understood the concepts of accessibility were fewer, but there was a lot of willingness and a lot of pa- you know, patience in getting it right, and I have to say, I, I, you know, I was able to get, get up and running and onboarded um, as smoothly as possible, and, um, you know, uh, since I came on, and uh, we, we've hired numerous people with disabilities, both evident and non-evident, and I, I'm not going to say it's because of me. I'm, I, I want to say it's because of the increased understanding of the value that people with disabilities bring to the workplace, and it's because the culture is changing. There's, you know, less fear, uh, less um, misunderstanding. The more people work with us, you know, they, 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 they learn that we have a lot to contribute. They learn that we're more like them than not. And I always use the, ex- the expression, attitude is caught, not taught, meaning that, you know, if people are around other people that just treat me like they would treat anybody else, then their colleagues kind of catch that attitude and, you know, a lot of the fear disappears because they're like, oh, okay, you know, so John is treating her like a, you know, like a regular colleague. I guess I can too. Um, and that includes, you know, everything from humor. It includes being invited to lunch. It includes um, making sure, you know, be, being honest about um, the other day I had a colleague say, Kathy, I just want you to know that you're wearing some of your lunch. And I thought that was a very fair deal. I was very <laughs> proud of her for having the, for having you know, the, 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 uh, for being able to say that, and, you know, we took care of it. And, uh, you know, some people may have, may not have said anything because they would have felt too embarrassed or uncomfortable. So, you know, I think things like that are a big step forward. Um, your second question, what is my role? Well, I lead our, our um, enterprise accessibility initiatives, and there's quite a few. Um, we started a coordinated philanthropic effort, um, a national philanthropic effort. I, I lead that. I also lead our Enterprise Accessibility Program Office, which just got launched last year, and that's, you know, really looking at accessibility on an enterprise level. Um, and like I said, we've had people doing this work before, but we're really trying to centralize the effort so we're not duplicating anything or reinventing the wheel. Um, 
And so, you know, that's a big process when you have 270,000 people in, in a company. Um, I also work with our risk and legal team on, on numerous issues, you know, making sure that we're, um, we're complying with, our, with the various regulations regarding disability. Um, we, as part of our philanthropic program, we have started a disability scholarship program, which I lead as part of our philanthropic program, um, in, including to contributing to some nonprofits. Um, we, we, yeah, we, we, we I, I do quite a bit of, um, you know, representing the bank with, in, in the disability community uh, activities. I serve as a spokesperson. Um, I, I'm also really helping other folks at the bank serve as spokespeople, too, because, I, I, again, I don't want to be the only person speaking for the bank. Um, yeah, so my role is, is I also serve as a consultant to different lines of business um, regarding accessibility of products and services that are being developed. So it, it's, um, it, it's quite a, a plate full, but uh, I'm, I'm happy that I like the work and I, I love the people and I, I really like the direction we're going in the area of accessibility. Well, that is awesome. That is awesome. Well, I want to hear more about this, and I know you all want to hear more from Kathy, but right now we're going to get ready to go to break. If you just joined us, we are talking to Kathy Martinez, the Senior Vice President and Head of Disability and Accessibility Strategy at Wells Fargo and Company. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Kathy. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Hi, I'm Rick Harrison from Pawstars. I'm here to talk to you about the Epilepsy Foundation. I had bad seizures until I was a teenager. I thought I wouldn't have a chance to grow up, but I dared to think differently. My epilepsy taught me to be a fighter. When I said I wanted to make a TV series about my pawn shop, people thought I was nuts. But I dared to defy the odds, and Pawn Stars was born. If you have epilepsy, dare to live your fullest potential. The Epilepsy Foundation will help you dare. Visit epilepsy.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hey everyone, welcome back. We are talking to Kathy Martinez, 
the Senior Vice President and Head of Disability and Accessibility Strategy for Wells Fargo and Company and the former Vice President of why do I keep saying that, Kathy? The former Assistant Secretary of the Office of Disability Employment Policy in the Obama Administration. See, I'm so fixated on this Senior Vice President, I just can't get over it. <laughs> hey, Kathy, by the way, when you told that story about someone said to you the other day, hey, you know, you're uh, wearing your meal, you have, uh, guess what? I'm not blind, and people have told me that. So uh, when you said that, that's why I started laughing. I thought, oh, yeah, people tell me that in my office also when it happens. It's, important. it's very important, I think, um, for people to get to the point of being comfortable enough with you or me to do that, you know, because, of course, we want to know, but a lot of people are afraid, you know, that they might offend us. But um, I think, you know, as I always say, the, the best training for hiring people with disabilities, because, you know, we get asked that all the time, and, and we always answer the best, the best training is to actually hire a person with a disability. You got it. Uh, people talk, I, there's a lot of times when, a lot of times people will talk for us and about us, but unless we're at the table, the message is not authentic. Oh, yeah. I'm ready to say speak the word. That is so true. Exactly. That's why I say what you say. I tell companies when they'll say to me, oh, you know, we don't want to do, know what to do. We want to start a program about employing people with disabilities, and we're thinking of, you know, all these different uh, events we're going to put on ahead of time. And I say, yeah, this is easy. Hire someone. Start by hiring someone. That is the way to start, just as Kathy said. Uh, so, Kathy, I know, for example, at the USBLN and just nationally, that Wells Fargo is known as a corporation that is leading the way uh, to be a corporation of choice for people with disabilities. Somewhere, people with disabilities would be proud to go work at. Uh, and so, why do you think that is? Well, I think it's very clear that we're doing the best we can, you know, with the ever-changing techno te technological realities. We're doing the best we can, you know, to be um, a welcoming place for people with disabilities, both as customers and as team members or employees, as we say. Um, we have a, a, a specific recruiting team that works uh, to hire people with disabilities. You know, we make an effort to reach out to the disability community, not only in our philanthropic work, but also as an employer. We want to understand um, what, you know, what we can do to make our company be a, a, a welcoming place where people with disabilities feel valued, where they feel like they can advance, not just get an entry-level job in the mailroom, but actually, you know, have a career path um, and have, uh, you know, uh, learn and grow and advance uh, up the career ladder. So I think, you know, and, and we also are, are, you know, we're also looking at how we can fund uh, disability-owned businesses. I know Regina is very passionate about that. She's our supply chain lead. 
And so we want to have disability represented at, at all levels of the business, both in our senior leadership, um, you know, uh, throughout the bank, um, and also in, in who we fund, you know, our small businesses that want to, that, that want to, that are, if a person with, is, is a, a person with a disability and they want to start a small business, you know, we want to be able to hire some of these disability-owned businesses um, as part of our supply chain uh, program. And so I think, you know, our goal, uh, I don't want to say I think, but I, I know that our goal is to really be as inclusive as possible in, in as many parts of the bank as possible. So it's not just recruiting that's, you know, all about accessibility, or it's not just our corporate responsibility and community relations folks, or it's not just our mark. I sit in the marketing department. Um, you know, it's not just our home lending folks. We're a big company. And like I said, it's a marathon, but our, our goal is to really walk the walk, not just talk the talk, uh, and, you know, and, and not just have, you know, a couple um, tokens at the bank, but really to, you know, hire people and, and, and include them, weave them into the fabric of the culture. You know, we don't want it to be a, quote, special thing or a, 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 an issue of charity, but really we want people to feel like the culture is uh, inclusive of them and takes their needs into consideration, values them as customers and team members, and wants them to advance, uh, you know, both in, in increasing their financial capability if you're a customer or advance as a, a team member um, in your career, if you're a, a team member or employee. And I'm going to tell you, uh, when Kathy was the assistant secretary of the Office of Disability Employment Policy, she spoke about this all the time uh, and, you know, teaching other corporations uh, and everything she said, I agree with. Well, we're going to go to break because when we come back, we have our On the Half Hour update from Perry Jude Radisic. We call it Advocacy Matters. Every Great. week, we'll be right back with our Advocacy Matters update. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Rick Harrison from Podstars. I'm here to talk to you about the Epilepsy Foundation. I had bad seizures until I was a teenager. I thought I wouldn't have a chance to grow up, but I dared to think differently. My epilepsy taught me to be a fighter. When I said I wanted to make a TV series about my pawn shop, people thought I was nuts. But I dared to defy the odds, and Pawn Stars was born. If you have epilepsy, dare to live your fullest potential. The Epilepsy Foundation will help you dare. Visit epilepsy.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. 
vendor assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, vendor services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high test line of service. For more information, please visit www.vendorconsult.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back everyone. Our guest today is Kathy Martinez. But first, it's our On the Half Hour Advocacy Matters Update with Perry Jude Radisick from the Pennsylvania Disability Rights Network. Perry, what do you have for us today? Hey, thanks, Joyce. And I'm so glad that the topic uh, today is about banking uh, and, uh, and people with disabilities because banking and financial education is such an important issue uh, for people with disabilities, including uh, the great work Kathy is doing related to the employment of people with disabilities. Uh, but also financial education is important too, especially when it comes to acquiring and financing assistive technology. Uh, recently, Congress just passed this bipartisan funding bill the omnibus funding package that the president signed. It's what, it's what funds all of our human services and, and defense. And so in there, there was an increase in funding for everything that was assistive technology. And there are so many programs under the Assistive Technology Act. And so there was a, a, an increase. I, I want to say it was about $2 million, and, and so in that increase, <clears throat> the, all the AT programs are going to have a share in that increase in funding. Now, that's great because these AT programs provide a lot of critical services to make sure people with disabilities can acquire assistive technology to go to school, live independently in a community, and to communicate effectively in all settings. But sometimes, you know, we, we think about who pays for that, who's the payer. Sometimes it's private insurance, sometimes it's Medicaid, sometimes it's Medicare. Other times we've got to pay for it ourselves. And when that happens, sometimes we've got to take out a loan from a bank or look to an AT lending library. Sometimes they have something that maybe somebody left behind, didn't need it anymore, or maybe we want to try it out. So we have lending libraries in every state. Or we utilize one of the federally funded assistive technology programs that help focus on funding AT purchases and modifications. And here in Pennsylvania, there's really two places. One is Temple University. The other is the Alternative Finance Program, and that's called the Pennsylvania Assistive Technology Foundation. We have all of that up on our website, on our Advocacy Matters page. So so if you go there, you can find all of the loan programs and 
how to get in touch with those programs, and they can hook you up maybe with private banks as well as their own funding programs, uh, and you can find that off of our webpage. So advocacy matters, assistive technology matters, and the funding of AT matters. And I want to give a shout-out to Wells Fargo because Wells Fargo and other lenders help us purchase assistive technology and help us live independently in a community. And particularly Wells Fargo, they have really worked well with audiologists to help finance audiology care and also in housing. They have a housing foundation that have helped nonprofit housing organizations find permanent supportive housing uh, for people with uh, disabilities, particularly in Illinois. So really, thank you, Kathy, for for that, and to Wells Fargo for that, and Joyce for bringing uh, Wells Fargo on today so that we could talk about assistive technology and to the lenders that help us get assistive technology. Oh, that is awesome. Kathy, did you want to make a comment before uh, Perry Jude signs off? No, I want to just say that, you know, as we grow and as we learn about the community um, in different parts of the country, you know, our goal is to really meet those needs. And I want to just also comment on uh, the topic of financial education. We at Wells Fargo absolutely agree that financial education, financial literacy, financial health is the foundation to, um, you know, increasing somebody's financial capability. And we are definitely there with you. Um, We have a uh, part of our uh, foundation that's called Hands-On Banking. And Hands-On Banking is uh, free to the public. It's a service uh, that provides uh, financial education, everything from debt, uh, you know, courses on debt to courses on credit. In fact, we will be offering two of these courses at a conference in July at the National Federation of the Blind Conference in Orlando. Um, that's their national conference. And so this will be our third year that we offer financial literacy workshops. So thanks oh, for mentioning great. that because it's so important for our community. No, that's fantastic and so needed, really needed. And thank you, Perry. But before you go, would you mind giving everyone uh, your website And by the way, anyone listening, I so would encourage you, uh, no matter how small it is, to make a contribution to this great work that Perry's doing. So, Perry, what is the website? Sure. Thanks so much, Joyce. Yes, it's easy. It's disabilityrightspa.org. That's disabilityrightspa.org. Okay, thank you so much, and we will look forward to your next update next week. Hey, thanks, Joyce. Take care, everyone. Okay. Thanks, Perry. Um, sure. Yeah, well, you know what? Look at that. That's really great, the uh, unsolicited comments that Perry made about Wells Fargo. So that just shows you, you know, really how well-known you are becoming. That sort of answers the question that I just asked before. Uh, But, Kathy, as I mentioned, you most recently were the Assistant Secretary of the Office of Disability Employment Policy, which uh, was a very prestigious role 
in the Obama administration when it comes to disability. Really, you were the person that everyone went to. So I wonder if you would mind uh, describing that role to our listeners uh, so they get a full picture of what you've done with your life. Well, well, uh, the role was, um, uh, you know, it, it's, it's an assistant, assistant secretary in, in, within the Department of Labor, so that, that means that the focus is employment uh, primarily. And really, um, we did everything from help develop uh, regulations like Section 503 of the Rehabilitation Act uh, and, and the, the regulation for the Vietnam veterans uh, uh, we also helped uh, develop the regulation uh, for hiring for the federal government to hire people with disabilities, which the president signed. So those were two regulations that we were very proud of helping develop along with our Office of Federal Contracts Compliance colleagues. Um, in addition, we, we provided funding for different types of research. One of my passions is, um, is seniors and work and, you know, because people with uh, seniors acquire uh, disabilities. And so um, I would like to see us actually work more closely with um, the senior uh, advocacy groups. And I'm very interested, you know, becoming uh, as a baby boomer um, uh, in, in, in aging in the workplace. Um, so that was one of my passions. Another passion I have is, uh, is, Minority-owned small businesses. Uh, when I was at the World Institute on Disability, I ran a project called Proyecto Vision, where, where I was lucky to work with the Hispanic uh, National Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, and that inspired me to develop a project at uh, the Department of Labor called Add Us In, where we looked at how minority um, chambers of commerce, and that includes, you know, women. Uh, people of color, the LGBT community, how these groups could hire people with disabilities. Um, and they don't necessarily, it doesn't mean that you have, if you're African-American, you have to hire somebody who's African-American. It just means, you know, let's look out for each other folks. Um, and so I, that, that got a lot of traction. Um, I was also very interested in technology and how, you know, technology clearly influences our community and how do we keep up with it? How do we... Uh, how do we encourage companies to develop uh, and to design technology so that we can use it out of the box rather than having to wait for, um, you know, uh, assistive technology to be updated? So we had a lot of different focus areas, really. And um, I'm very proud of the work we did there. I think, um, you know, I think that that's a really critical position um, because it really does uh, serve as, as, a, as a kind of a bully pulpit for the, it, the concept of, of um, economic empowerment for people with disabilities. And I think uh, just, just by the fact that we hire people who have disabilities there, uh, and, and at the Department of Labor, the, the, the number of people with disabilities throughout the department actually uh, increased. But again, you know, it's about changing a culture and weaving disability into the fabric of the culture. And so I think we, it, you know, that, that office is critical because it, 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 it's, it's goal is to really care, keep the drumbeat about employment and about the capacity of people with disabilities and really reducing, you know, fear, myth and stereotype about the, 
the productivity of people with disabilities, um, and ultimately the goal of that of that of that office is to you know help improve the economy of the country. Yeah, which leads me to my next question. And you know, folks, we're not going to even take break because I just want to make sure that we get to cover some of these very important issues uh, with Kathy. So, Kathy, uh, as you know, the unemployment of people with disabilities is very high. Seventy percent of people with disabilities are not even counted in our workforce. I always say, you know, here we are, the ADA was signed in 1990, and now we have Braille on elevators. We have captioning for people who are deaf. We have video relay. You know, we have curb cuts. We have transportation with Greyhound that you can get on. You cannot say to a person, tell me your disability. So many things, so many things, except one thing. The needle has not moved very much on the employment of people with disabilities. Uh, why do you think that is, Kathy? Well, you know, I've, I have seen a couple of articles. I know there was one in USA Today recently that, that maybe the needle has moved a tiny bit, and, um, um, but, but it certainly hasn't moved enough. Um, you know, our unemployment rate in general is very low, and typically people with disabilities are first hired, uh, I mean, last hired, first fired. So, um, I, I understand that, you know, that article, we just may, may be in a time where more people are getting hired in general. But, um, you know, I can tell you, I, I can't give you exact numbers, but I can tell you that Wells Fargo has actually tripled the number of people who identify as having um, a disability within the last three years. Um, and I know other companies are, I, I think the, the needle is moving upward, although it is not moving fast enough. And certainly there are many of us in you know, who are available to work that, that aren't working. And again, I, I think, you know, it's, it's, um, it's attitude. I think attitude and fear are still our biggest barriers. Um, and that's why I'm, I'm so passionate about actually just hiring somebody with a disability because, you know, we fear less what we know best. And so when people get to work with us every day and hang out with us and go to lunch with us and, you know, struggle through a, 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 a tough, um, a strategic problem um, and find us a, a valued part of the team, then the barriers tend to um, are, the, the barriers are reduced. Um, they, they tend to go down, and bridges get built. You know, of just a common experience, right? So I, I really think again that's that's the answer. And you know, your work, Joyce, that you do all over the world and through your company, you know, has really contributed to breaking down barriers and building bridges and reducing fear. Uh, so I, I think really it just comes down to that. Well, I do too, uh, Kathy. I mean, I too think it's improving, uh, just not fast enough. Uh, because many corporations I talk to, they have not done very much at all in this area. I'm meaning Fortune 500 corporations, but then there are people like you and Highmark and PNC and other companies that are, you know, leading the way, leading the way. So uh, I believe through the USBLN, for example, like Microsoft, different companies, I believe it has an impact 
on other companies, and I, I just, you know, hope that we'll do something because it's been so frustrating for so long. Uh, and you know what? I always say, someday people are going to look back on this radio show and they're going to say, can you believe they used to have to talk about why you should hire people with disabilities? Can you imagine that? You know, that would be like you should hire women. It, you know what I mean? And because every time I talk about this, I think I can't even believe that we have to talk about it. But I do believe, as you said, I do believe that stigma plays such a large part of this. Uh, I read an article, actually it was in uh, Japan, but Japan News also has an English version with the New York Times inserted. Uh, And there was an article written by a Canadian father of a son with Down syndrome about why do people suggest uh, that you abort a child with Down syndrome. And at the end he said, you know, you often have to wonder, is it because of convenience for you, for the parent? Is it because this isn't the way you want the person to look? Is it because, oh, I wanted to see the person walk down the aisle, et cetera? And, you know, that is a sad thing to think. But there are company countries like Iceland where it's like 100% aborting children with Down syndrome. So I do feel, uh, Kathy, that sadly it's sometimes how you look and the perception of what you can do uh, or can't do. But with people like you and Wells Fargo, that will continue to change. Uh, now, Kathy, I couldn't wait to ask you this next question. I talk to corporations about accessibility, digital accessibility, uh, and you do not know how often they say to me, well, you know, we're going to work on that in our budget next year. Next year we have that in the budget. Or, yeah, you know, we are working it on certain areas. We just don't have enough support. Why is that? Kathy, like why, why do people think it's okay to not do this? Well, I think, um, you know, one of the, it's, it's very interesting because one of the things um, that I, I've seen in, in companies is when they get somebody, you know, that, that does have a disability and has street cred in the disability community in their midst, um, the, you know, the, and, and has a connection to the community and when they can see the value in terms of you know com- um, customers and and team members with disabilities, I think people's attitude changes, and so often I think just accessibility does not enter into people's uh, you know into their zeitgeist uh, into their way of thinking until either they need it or somebody close to them needs it, and then of course. You know, they're very grateful for the ramps that have been built, and they're very grateful for the signage on restrooms, and they're very grateful, you know, to certain companies like Apple who has built in accessibility to their to their components. And so, you know, people with all kinds of disabilities can use their products. Um, I think, you know, it just doesn't occur to people until they need it or somebody close to them needs it. So then our job and, and our goal is to get people all around them with lots of different needs 
that need accessibility. Um, and, you know, I always say that, you know, when we look at, at the accessibility of our universal design, you know, it, it ultimately benefits everybody. And we all use the example of the curb ramp. There was a lot of opposition to digging up corners, uh, digging up street corners at one time in the, in the mid-80s and, and, and on. You know, and then people realized how valuable um, curb ramps are to everybody, not just people in wheelchairs. So I think um, as people see what, what can be done and how it does allow people to participate and be more independent and be productive and have dignity, you know, part of, part of the, 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 the issue of accessibility is dignity. We all depend on each other. But, you know, if, if I can go and if I can do as much work um, on my own without asking for help, um, you know, that, that makes me feel, um, and that gives, does provide me with a certain amount of dignity. Now, you know, the, the concept of accommodations, I think, we, we can't really uh, conflate that uh, with, you know, with dignity because, frankly, we're all accommodated at work. Everybody gets, is accommodated. The, the fact is that they're, quote, that non-disabled people uh, are, quote, accommodated through standard operating practice. So everybody gets a computer. Everybody gets a, a, a mobile phone. You know, some people ask for uh, ergonomic chairs. Um, you know, we all accommodate each other. It's just, it, I think the, the concept of accommodations has kind of gotten a bad name, um, in the workplace because of the ADA. So we have to refer them, we refer to them as, as productivity tools. And everybody needs productivity tools. Mine are just a little different than, than yours. And so, you know, that, that's why they're called an accommodation because they're not standard operating practice. But if we go into work with the presumption that everybody gets accommodated, um, I think, you know, we, we'd be on a more level playing field. Oh, that is, love that. I love that term. I do. Uh, so I know we're getting toward the end of the show, but I yeah. did want to ask you a couple last questions. Uh, one is, Kathy, who is your role model? There has to be oh someone. God. Well, there's so many. Um, I think my, my parents were my first role models. I was very lucky. Um, I mean, they weren't perfect, but uh, they were very good role models. Um, I think... You know, as kid, as a kid, I was lucky to be mainstreamed, and um, I got, you know, I, I got treated like uh, any other kid. You know, good and bad. Got kicked around a little, but that's okay. Um, I had some teachers that were incredible role models that really expected me to do well, um, and you know, weren't exactly always nice, and they didn't let me use my disability as a way out, which I hated then, but I'm so grateful for now. Um, and then I think, you know, as I got in the, into the disability rights movement, I met so many incredible activists like Kitty Cohn and Ed Roberts and Judy Heumann. Now, fortunately, I got to work for Ed and Judy um, and uh, just really, and then so many people from outside the country, you know, who have very different circumstances um, with regard to disability. They don't have curb ramps. They don't have, you know, smooth sidewalks that they can just, glide down and get from one point to another. Their struggles are very different than mine, but I learned a lot. You know, I learned a lot from them. I learned a lot from the women in Namibia and the people I met in China and the people I met in Ethiopia. And 
um, you know, I adopted my son in Mexico. So um, my partner at the time and I lived there for four years or three years. So I, I just, I felt like I've had mentors and role models uh, from all over the world. And Joyce, you're one of my role models. Oh, Kathy. Oh, that, that is such a compliment. But, you know, look what you've done. But, you know, we all look up to you for your leadership and what you've done for people with disabilities. Um, and you have accomplished so much. Uh, what, what do you consider your greatest accomplishment, Kathy? Ah, wow. Um, well, I helped raise a very wonderful responsible, decent man. Um, and I think that's one of my greatest accomplishments. I, I can't take all, all the credit for it, but I, let me just say I played a role in it, and I'm very grateful that he turned out the way he did. Well, hey, that's a great, that's a great thing, Kathy. So, Kathy, what message do you want to leave with our listeners today? And by the way, thank you again so much for being with us. Oh, it's been my pleasure, Joyce. Well, I would say to everybody, you know, keep on living the dream. Uh, you know, think big. Um, expect yourself to do well, and others will expect you to do well. Uh, and have a, have a sense of humor and have fun. Oh, that's good. Well, I know, you and I know how to have fun, don't we? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Well, hey, folks, I end every show with a quote, uh, and today that is from the writer Alice Walker, who said, the most common way people give up their power is thinking they don't have any, and we know we can't do that. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you all next week with our guest, Secretary Topper from Pennsylvania. Talk to you then. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.